This is the Eminem Planet Podcast, episode 58. I'm your host, Joel Amidon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Megan Anderson of Anderson Family Counseling. And we're talking tweens. Megan is an expert on tweens. She's given workshops on tweens. She's talked to tweens. She's seen the effects of this period of life, which is the ages 8 to 12, where they're kind of in between phase of life. You kind of get that. And she sees the challenges. She's seen uh, actually the results of it from her counseling experience. And so I'm a parent of a tween, and I know that there's teachers of tweens out there who are thinking, hey, maybe I can learn about how to teach better tweens. And so I heard about the workshops and heard about some of the information that Megan has been sharing and wanted to get that on the podcast because that's the whole reason to have this podcast is to share information. And, you know, we've grabbed stuff from all sorts of different sources, whether it be stuff like the episode last week where we talked with Erica Halverson about how the arts can save education. We talked with Gloria Ladson Billings about the Dream Keepers. We've talked about... Uh, even what we can learn from podcasts like uh, Broken Record Podcast with Malcolm Gladwell, Rick Rubin, uh, just about music and what can that teach us about teaching. So this one's pretty relevant, I think, with regards to tweens. Not a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, just talking about the, these kids ages 8 to 12 and these middle years, which I think also, too, is I remember when I was 8 to 12, and that's kind of a confusing period, and there's lots of stuff that are happening, both inside and outside, right? And so... This is a great conversation. She's going to give some of her expertise and time, and I'm so glad to be able to share it. So I'm just going to stop talking. Let's get into this conversation with Megan Anderson doing a little tween talk. Megan Anderson, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Amazon Planet Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so I'm just excited to have this conversation. Uh, I know uh, a while ago you had a, what do I say, as a workshop maybe or a information session on tweens that you know my wife came home and said like oh here's all this information that Megan told me about it and I was like okay well this this sounds like information that maybe we should share on on the podcast and so had a little run in on the street and said hey we should do this and here we are right that's right well yeah I think uh, we had a run-in because I was on a soapbox about something and I was like I want your opinion on this and as <laughs> I went on my tangent you were like hey we need to talk about this on the podcast <laughs> that's right that's right hey but before we get too far into it can you just do a little self-introduction yeah so I um originally am from Atlanta or right outside of Atlanta uh came to Oxford to go to college and thought I would be here for four years and never left. <laughs> and so, um, you know, here I am now, all these years later, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I've been in private practice now for, I guess, about 12 years. Um, originally doing counseling, I say that I was specialized in kids because I was trained as a play therapist. I was working with kiddos sort of age eight to 10-ish. I was working with all ages, but that was sort of my niche there for a while. Um, and a lot of it was uh, kids in the midst of a divorce. Mm. And so it was sort of helping them readjust, reacclimate, helping the parents to co-parent the child through that. And then it turned into a lot of physical and sexual abuse cases, which I actually really enjoyed doing. But in the midst of that, had my own two little girls and it was it became way too close to home for me. Yeah. And it was too hard to work with that. So because we're in a college town, I get tons of phone calls to work with college students. So I sort of transitioned into this place where I was taking on more college kids and sort of letting the kiddos go. Um, and so now my clientele is about 70-ish percent college kids, 
um, which I love, but that, that is sort of how I got on this tangent of talking about tweens, um, to be honest, was because I was watching these college kids. I work with them every day and I see all these things that they're dealing with and experiencing. And I'm like, whoa, that could have been nipped in the bud like 10 mm. years ago. <laughs> like yeah. That should have been addressed 10 years ago. What happened there? And so that's how it really kind of sparked my interest in tweens. Wow. Okay. So that really gets into, well, for, uh, that's, Again, you know, it's like know there's a I, lot inside of that to talk about. <laughs> well, I know. I, I well, I just love. Again, I, I love doing these these conversations because, like, you know, we've known each other for a long time, and it's ten like years ish. Yeah, yeah, ten years. It's like oh, this, like seeing the genesis of all that, the backstory of it, and that's, that's really interesting. So, okay, so tell me a bit about tweens. What what do you know? What are tweens? So- Tweens is sort of this coined term that um, is sort of kiddos ages 8 to 12-ish. And it's kind of a perfect term because they are literally in between. Mm -hmm. Like they are not quite little kids. They are not quite teenagers. They're trying to be a little bit of both and they don't know where they fit. Um, I can say as a mom, they are literally in between sizes in everything. So they're hard to talk for. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's something I say all the time. Well, you're just in between sizes. So they're literally in between in everything. Right. Um, And so, uh, you know, this little coined phrase of tweens came about years ago, which I think is kind of a perfect label for them. Yeah. So, you know, and we both have tweens. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is funny about like like why we keep buying all these clothes well yeah it's because i mean she's gone through a growth spurt and like all of a sudden like yeah things don't fit anymore or things yeah. don't fit the way she wants them to fit uh-huh. and it's great uh so what are some misconceptions about tweens i think because um, people probably have some preconceived notions but what are, what are some misconceptions out there well i think a lot of preconceptions are one that they're brats I hear that a lot. Well, they're just in that tween phase. And so they're a brat. And I'm like, well, I think what you're calling a brat, I mean, sometimes I guess they are kind of bratty, but what people are referring to as brats is really, I think them just being very misunderstood because Mm -hmm. again, they're not little kids. So we are babying them at times and they don't want that anymore, but they're also not teenagers and we're expecting too much out of them. They're not ready for that. And so I really think it's just that they're misunderstood and they don't have the language at that age to say like, Hey, I think you just don't get me. (laughs) And I think I don't know where I fit. Um, and so I think that that's sort of like the misconception about them is they're really, I think it's really easy for them to slip through the cracks at this age because they are so misunderstood. Yeah. You think like some of them, you know, they're, you know, again, going, everyone's going through these changes and they're all having at different times. It was like, you know, sometimes you have this, I kind of think like back to, you remember the movie big, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's like, you know, we have Tom Hanks, but he's actually a, he's a tween, right? He's probably mm-hmm. a tween inside of yeah. a, a body of a, a man. And sometimes, a I, man. yeah, I think like that's, that's kind of, that kind of is a perfect description of tweens. Like all of a sudden, like, wow, you're really tall and you're, you know, you look like an adult, but you know, you haven't, like you said, haven't been taught some of these things of like, even just mm-hmm. how to properly express, like I'm, I'm, I, I'm not comfortable with the situation or I'm upset about this or I'm upset yeah. with you, but I don't know how to explain it other than just to storm off or be angry. Or like I haven't been given right. taught those things. Right. Yeah. I think it's really tough for them because I do think that they, 
feel like nobody quite understands them except for their friends. I mean, this is really an age where they're starting to like really adapt into their little friend groups. You and I yeah. have been able to watch that with the girls. Um, they've got this great friend group um, that's right. super supportive. They seem to really understand each other and seem to be able to talk to each other. But that's also a tricky place too, because one, what what kind of advice are they giving one another? <laughs> yeah. Where is that coming from? Um, which can be concerning. And then you've got kids that haven't found that yet and that are not quite plugged in. And if they don't have that and they already are feeling misunderstood at home, misunderstood, maybe at school, um, they're now feeling misunderstood with their peers. Like they're really struggling and that's where I think they can slip through the cracks really easily. All right. So, you know, so thinking about that, going further into that, well, so what are some of the, the big challenges that you see that, that tweens are taking on? I mean, <laughs> not let alone a pandemic, but all the, all the other stuff that's going on. Right. Um, you know, I think my biggest soapbox that I have about this age is that I feel like we just put too much pressure on them and not just academically, although I definitely have a whole tangent. I can go on about that. Um, but I think just too much pressure in general. And I think the two biggies that I see are academics and then Mm -hmm. sports and activities. And I think we are so quick. I kind of feel like as adults, we're too quick to make our kids try to see the forest instead of the trees, if that mm. makes any sense. So we're preaching at them about the big picture. Your grades need to be good for college. Well, college is still five years away for right. some of them. You know what I mean? So it's like, why are we preaching to them about that when that's really not anything that's immediate? We're talking to them already with sports about, you know, being good enough for a college scholarship or being good enough to make the high school team when they're only six years old. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's too much Pressure. Well, I mean, somebody told me, it's been a few years ago now, but I remember somebody said to me, you know, when your kid hits about six or seven, they need to have already chosen their sport because if they haven't chosen their sport by then, like all opportunities are going to be gone. They're going to be too far behind. And I thought that was absolutely insane. Um, But I see it like I I don't agree with it, but I see it playing out. Um, And they were kind of right in a really messed up way. Um, and so again, like we're putting this pressure on these kids instead of teaching them to just have fun and like learn how to be on a team and learn mm-hmm. sportsmanship. Like we're not teaching them everyday basics of things. Instead, we're making them function inside of this big picture um, that they're just not ready for. It's too much for them. Right. Yeah. When there's a, a whole, you know, you think about that six year old or seven, year, you know, when you're talking about that specialization. Like there's so much growing going on after that, you know, in all sorts of areas. And yeah. Yeah, it's just too much. I think they're just not ready for it. Um, I also think we probably have a little bit of a unique situation where we live because we're in a college town. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, you know, how much that plays a role here, maybe a little bit more than maybe what it does in other towns. Um, Because we do have these kids that are hyper aware of the sports teams and they go to all the sports games on campus and they're hyper aware of like what college is and, you know, what being a college student looks like. They have babysitters and coaches and people in their life that are college students. And so they watch that. And so I think, you know, their eyes are open to it in a really positive way. But I also think it can be a hindrance because the whole town focuses around the university. So we shove a lot of that down the kids' throats. And again, it's too much for them. You think then that, and I mean, so we're talking about challenges. Like one of the challenges is like, they're not allowed maybe to be kids. Like, I mean, that's seems like a big, (laughs) a big thing. Like they're forced to grow up so fast. 
Absolutely. Too fast. Um, and I think, you know, I think media has a lot to do with that, but I also think as parents, we, you know, do it to them. I think again, living in a college town, like they're just more accelerated because they're watching these older kids. And so they're modeling, you know, the things that those older kids are doing. But I think that was kind of one of the wonderful things during the beginning of quarantine, when we all had to just be still and like play only in our backyards instead of going to our activities. I mean, I realized I had never really sat down and done sidewalk chalk with my kids, you know, like a few times here and there when they were itty bitty, but like that was the stuff that I was doing at, you know, nine and 11, which is what my, the ages my girls were at that time. It's like, they don't do that anymore because they're in this such fast paced grown up world all the time. They, they aren't just kids. Right. Yeah. Any other challenges you're seeing for them? Um, I think, well, I think one of the challenges from a mental health perspective, I think it's wonderful that our world is talking a lot more about mental health. I think that's great. Um, I'm so glad I I have some irritation in my voice. I think when I say that, because I think there's still a lot of education that needs to be had. And so people are preaching mental health, but not actually educating on mental mental health, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's one of the problems that we're having with our kiddos is that we're preaching to them that they need to, you know, breathe more and, you know, uh, find a balance, but we're not teaching them how to do those things. And so I think we're doing them such a disservice to expect them to know how to do those things on their own when it's not really being modeled for them. And so, again, that's where things start to fall apart because they don't have the language to explain to us where the disconnect is coming from and why they're having a hard time understanding how to do those things. Do you think it's, I mean, I'm just throwing something out there, like all of these things, you know, and some of them we're, we're seeing because it's a, it's a bigger, well, bigger deal because of a global pandemic where, you know, we're seeing how kids are transitioning back into social situations where they haven't, you know, they haven't maybe been as, as deeply immersed because of, you know, quarantines and isolation and social distancing and all that. So that's like something like, Hey, we need to acknowledge this. And so hopefully people are acknowledging it. Like, it's not just, Hey, this we're, we're not involved with things. Now we're involved with things, you know, it's just pushing back in. We're listening, like, maybe there's a transition thing, but like you even mentioned some things before where there's these, you know, these landmarks in, in people's lives, like, divorce or you know like their sexual abuse or or just abuse in general or these other things or like acknowledging that these are big deals you know these are big deals for adults and think about even when you're a kid and all these that's one thing in in the range of all these things like hormones and growth and changing and all that stuff like is it just like just we need to do better of acknowledging that these things are not only um that there's, there's a care side that needs to be taken care of. Um, and, and having a professional involved with that situation is something probably to be had. I don't know if yeah, absolutely. there's a question. And, there. not, and not just um, a professional involved for the kiddo, but a professional involved for the parents to help the parent learn how to parent through mm-hmm. those things and what, you know, what to do and what not to do. I mean, I always say there's no perfect way, I think, to handle situations, but there's a lot of wrong ways. And right. so just right. to have that guidance of how to do that. And I don't think we have enough of that. And it's it's frustrating for me to watch it play out um, with you know, the kiddos in my life that I, you know, I'm around all the time. I can see where these things are happening. And I also, it's 
can't take it on as my job to be that person that steps in all the right. time. Although sometimes I do. <laughs> um, but I also recognize like I can't take on that role unless I'm asked to. And so that's really hard for me to feel like I'm sitting on my hands. Um, right. But yeah, you're exactly right. There's, there's just a lot um, that they really just need some guidance through and they're not getting it from anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I've mentioned that before on a previous episode, but just, you know, I lost my dad, but I was, you know, I was in my twenties, but I'm 20, doing the math. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I was in my tw- late twenties and, you know, it was, and it was coming up on, a, on an anniversary. I think it's be 14 years. Um, and, you know, that was, and I think for a while I was saying, yeah, that was tough. And like, I was sad and, but like there was stuff that wasn't processed through. And I think about like, I had a pretty good handle on who I was and, you know, was not a tween. Right. And like, and I know that I, 10 years I was dealing with stuff and I just, it took a while. And then finally talked to somebody and it's like, now I'm a a, a big fan of uh, taking care of yourself, some self-care and dealing, talking with professionals, but like, and just thinking about the, I think it's magnified. There's like a magnification factor when you're talking about tweens dealing with, with similar stuff stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as adults, we forget that kids are not robots. <laughs> I think <laughs> that there's this assumption that we look at kids and we forget that they have their own thoughts and feelings and experiences and perceptions. And um, they're living through the same thing that we are in their own way. And I think we forget that. And so we just look at them and expect that they're supposed to be along for the ride and just, you know, pick up and go on because we expect them to, but instead they very much get lost in the shuffle inside of that. And I think nobody pays much attention to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You keep it. Oh, they're so resilient. I'm like, well, yeah, but yeah, they are, but they're not. But they're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. They're resilient when somebody's sort of like nudging them along to be, but um, you know, there's really a lot of long-term damage, which is where, you know, I see a lot of this stuff with my college kids that I work with, where I'm like, yeah, had somebody had a conversation with you 10 years ago about what your anxiety was looking like, if somebody had acknowledged that you had anxiety, if somebody had picked up on the fact that you were self-harming or that, you know, you had these ups and downs mood swings and that that was going to potentially turn into, you know, a diagnosis of something like bipolar, somebody had paid attention to those things and talked to you about them, maybe we wouldn't be in the boat that we're in right now. Um, And so I think it's crude. I feel like this tween age is really the foundation of what life is going to look like for you in early adulthood and nobody's making that connection. All right. Well, so what are some of the big things that, you know, we could be noticing of our, of tweens out there and this, you know, we, we're kind of talking to, to teachers, you know, we, we talk about teaching better on this podcast, but I mean, I think teachers falls in line with parents or teachers, anyone that has an influence over someone in, in their lives, I think is a teacher. So what, mm-hmm. what are some of those things that you're like, you know, those that started in tweens and this is probably what it looked like. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I talk about in my little tween talk that I, um, the little workshop that I had sort of put together is um, focused mostly around anxiety because that seems to be what it shows or what it manifests as first Mm. Um, in this age, um, any kind of big problem that's going to come about later on, it looks mostly like anxiety on the front side. And so it's educating parents on what anxiety actually looks like because Our assumption, again, based on movies and TV, and because we're not fully educated enough, is that anxiety looks like having a full-blown panic attack. And that's not what anxiety actually is. It can be, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there are all these like little teeny tiny signs of anxiety that we need to be picking up on and paying attention to. And one little sign might not mean anything, but if you kind of know what you're looking for and you start to see a group of signs, yes. it starts to give you a picture collectively mm-hmm. that maybe there's something going on with your kid, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, I think any kind of, you know, and this is where it's really hard at this age too. And again, you and I can very much commiserate that, you know, hormones play a big role. And so it's hard to Amen. <laughs> have two girls that are about to be 13. So there's a lot of hormones happening at our house. And so, you know, it's hard to distinguish what is normal age and hormonal behavior versus what is a problem. Right. And so it's learning how to sift through a mm-hmm. lot of that, but any major changes, I mean, changes in sleep patterns, changes in eating patterns, changes in their social group, um, or even pulling away from social groups altogether, um, changes in the way they are treating us in the sense that they might be more irritable. And I say that because my, my 13 year old is irritable all the time, because that is just what it means to be 13. (laughs) And so there are times where I have to say, are you just being 13 or like, did something happen today? Yeah. (laughs) And so it's, you know, trying to pick up on these little cues because it's the cues where they're trying to educate us about what's going on in their life. Because again, they don't have the full language to be able to sit us down and say, this is what I think has been going on. A big one is like physical stuff. If you have a child that's complaining about chronic headaches, stomach aches, Mm, um, digestive problems, bathroom problems, that kind of stuff. those Those are huge signs of anxiety because anxiety, serotonin dumps in our stomach first. And so that's really where the original anxiety starts before it travels up to our brain. Um, and so any of those gastro issues are a big red flag, um, as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, example, you're thinking about the, you know, differentiating, you know, like seeing my daughter a little upset this morning and it just happened that she was upset because I am crushing her in fantasy football. And her team is not doing so hot. And so well, she's competitive. So that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. And I'm, my team's called the last dance and I've got half the Packers on it. And so like, we're, we're just rolling, we're rolling. And so it was that, you know, okay. So, you know, being able to, but that, so I guess what you're some advice you have, right. Is having those conversations probably like, you know, it's not just like, Hmm, I'm not going to have a conversation. I'm just going to notice these things versus like you said, like, having a conversation, seeing what's, you know, what's the source of things and and having that open relationship, right. That people yeah. can, you, you can talk about those things. I don't know. Is mm-hmm. that what I guess, is that, is that what you'd say is something that's yeah. helpful? Yeah. Because I think we're quick. I mean, even in a really like simple and silly example, like fantasy football, like, I think it's really quick for you to potentially roll your eyes at her and be like, Oh my God, get over it. You're just mad because I'm winning. Like, and then now you're disregarding her feelings. And to some degree you should do that because it is silly and superficial. Right. Right. But maybe it's also an indicator that she is very competitive, that she doesn't like to be wrong or she doesn't like to lose or, you know, whatever it is. And so to have a conversation with her, like, where, where, what's actually happening here? Where is this mm. actually coming from? And so now there's a lesson in like losing gracefully and sportsmanship. And, you know, there's a lot of important life lessons that can fall into something as silly as fantasy football. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, thank you. That's great. That's good. <laughs> what other advice would you give to, again, teachers of tweens? Again, this is including teachers, parents, coaches, youth group leaders, et cetera. Uh, one, I think, for us all to slow down 
just in general, life in general, right? But I think just to slow down when it comes to our kiddos and when they are having an emotional reaction, when they are worked up about something, instead of being quick to dismiss and disregard to allow ourselves to stop and have the conversation instead of telling them to get over it we got to go on to the next activity we'll deal with that later they need some validation you know they need to be seen they need to be heard and I think as parents and just the world in general we live at such a fast pace all the time that we forget the simple things to just stop and have the conversation so I think that's a big one but inside of that creating like an emotional safe space for them to be able to have the conversation Um, a safe space where they feel like they can talk to you or helping them recognize who they can talk to. I mean, you know, their kids walking into teenage years, they're not going to talk to their parents about everything. I think we have to be very realistic about that. We didn't talk to our parents about everything, but to help them identify other grownups that they feel like they can talk to and um, say, it's okay. You have my permission to not talk to me about everything, but you got to talk to somebody. So who, you know, let's say three or four people that you would feel comfortable going to. Yeah, we talked about Pat. We talked with Pat Ward, another uh, counselor in a previous episode, and we just talked about this uh, book. Well, in the previous episode of that, about this book called The Culture Code and having these um, frequent productive collisions with mm-hmm. adults. And so, like, if you know, knowing that having those conversations, having the ability to go have conversations with people that are invested in, in the life of my child. So, if that's a youth group, if that's a, a coach, you know, like, there's, there's things where I think making sure that there's quality people in my child's life and my tween's right. life that I, I know, but also know, knowing that, Hey, try to make as great of an environment as possible for them to come talk to me or, or whoever the parenting, whoever the parents right. are in the situation as well. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think I'm curious to kind of know your opinion on this because I wonder, I feel like there's less of that happening with teachers now. Um, I remember growing up, I had teachers that I felt like I could go sneak in during their lunch hour or their free period and talk to them about something personal if I needed to. And they had this open door policy. And I find that there's a little bit less of that now. And I wonder if part of that is, um, kind of like fear-based, like a liability. It feels like a liability to be, you know, too open or too friendly with the students, um, that it might raise an eyebrow or you might be stuck on parents' toes and the school would frown upon that. I don't know if you have any insight on that, but I do see a shift there. I don't know. I've, I mean, I've seen lots of teachers and coaches that have had, you know, great relationships with kids, but I do know, like, I mean, it's, but when I was going through my teacher prep program, you know, a while ago, I mean, Mm -hmm. there was lots of talk about, you know, never meeting alone with anyone having open door policy, you know, if the, if you're in with that, the door is open or, you know, having it in, in common spaces. So I think maybe it is about educating about, you know, what relationships are important between Mm -hmm. teachers and students. And like, that's also to help you be a better teacher. And Mm -hmm. so it is like, maybe I'm in the commons that where, you know, students can approach me to ask, you know, ask questions about problems and math problems or whatever. But then also it's like, Hey, I just noticed you've been down. Like what's just noticing it and like anything going on so they can be that, maybe that connector to, you know, talking to a counselor or talking to somebody else or just, you know, just be a a near to like, yeah, I think things are a little rough around how in the house and just, you know, just maybe even be someone to listen, to listen to. So I just, maybe it is about educating teachers about how, to handle those situations and maybe we could be doing a better job of that from our end in the teacher prep programs 
Yeah, I agree with that because I think that, you know, our kiddos spend more hours with their teachers during the week than they do with us, more waking hours anyway. And I think the teachers get to see them in such a unique capacity. I mean, so many kids, like the teachers will see the kids and really how much pressure they're feeling about academics, where we might not see them working themselves up into a panic attack during the test. The teacher sees that, right? right? Or they see the struggles and friendships and things like that. And so, um, yeah, but I think, you know, the teachers are asked to do so much already from an academic standpoint and all the paperwork that goes into that and all the things that they have to be sort of like checking boxes on that I think they probably are so burned out and exhausted that it's hard to be an emotional support system for the students also. Um, But I think it's an important reminder. But yeah, I mean, but I'm sure you and I could both start listing off some teachers that provided a lot of support for us, like beyond, uh, beyond, (laughs) beyond just the, the subject content. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And those are the teachers that I think really were able to be um, nurturers and encouraging, especially about academics, not putting pressure on them about academics saying, yeah, this wasn't your best grade, but you let's figure out a way that you can do better next time. Because I know you have it in you instead of just being like, yeah, these were terrible grades. Y'all all bombed this test and then leaving them feeling bad about themselves. Right. They took that extra step to say, let's figure this out and problem solve for next time. How can we study different next time? How can I help you? Yeah. Well, I think too, there's something, I mean, you know, well, I guess here's something, you know, that's, some people are pushing back on Well, I've heard the whole idea about social, emotional learning. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's right in the wheelhouse of what we're kind of talking about here today. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that more people can be educated on that to provide some access. Yes. That is putting more on teacher, but you know what, if we're, getting in a healthy spot for with that perspective, how much better is the classroom when like, or like teaching some, uh, the linear linear patterns is probably better when everyone's in a, in a better space from a social, emotional, uh, basis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just throwing that out there. Um, no, I totally agree with that. And I love that there's been some shift. I think there's a lot of Um, curriculum that's taught to the teachers, but maybe not enough education behind it. Again, about the mental health stuff and the cues, the warning signs to be looking for so that the teachers can learn where to lean in or maybe where to pull back just so they can meet their students' needs even better, you know, instead of checking the box of the curriculum. Megan, where can folks learn more about how to best support tweens in their growth and development? Well, that's a good question. I think there are, I, I should be probably really good at recommending books and I'm not good at that because yeah. I just never take the time to sit down and read the books. Um, but I am a big proponent of podcasts and I do think that there are a lot of really great um, podcasts out there where you can get quick, easy tidbits that you don't have to sit and like read through an entire chapter to get to. Um, I think that you know, if you want just a little bit of brushing up on parenting skills or a little bit of insight into, you know, what's going on with your kiddo, sit down with a therapist. It doesn't mean that you have to go to therapy every single week, but just a handful of appointments just to get a little bit of insight, clarification, reinforcement um, is super helpful. I love doing that kind of stuff with parents just to give them a little bit of insight and a new framework to work inside of can be super valuable and it's much, much faster than sitting and reading a bunch of parenting books and more effective. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. Like in the books take a while, by the time you read the book, they might be out of the tween stage. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, uh, and maybe you have like a podcast episode in mind, or if you're, after you research, you can send it to me and we can put it in the show notes here and sure. uh, 
that'd be great. Um, so, you know, you talked about a, a workshop, you anything that you want to promote for yourself? Like, I mean, you know, do you do telehealth or do people schedule straight to you? If like, you know what, I want to talk to Megan Anderson. So I don't know. Yeah, of course. If, if parents want to call me up and they want to set up like a telehealth uh, session or a session in my office, I love to do that kind of stuff. I'm, I see most of my people. Um, I did listen to your episode with Pat. I love Pat, by the way. Yeah, um, and I know he's doing a lot of telehealth right now. I'm doing more in office. Um, I just prefer yeah, the yeah. energy exchange of sitting mm-hmm. with a person. Um, but I'm definitely down for some telehealth. I also think that, um, uh, you know, with the pandemic starting, I kind of got off of my little speaking tour of doing the tween talk <laughs> yeah. workshops because all of that went to a screeching halt. Um, right. But it is something that I kind of want to get back into the works this spring. So um, I'll keep you posted if I'm able to get another one of those workshops up and going so that maybe you can put that out there for me. Nice. Yep. We can definitely do that. So, you know, let's really get down to this part. Uh, what does Ted Lasso have to say? <laughs> about tweens or what like let's, let's get into it a little bit a little bit of ted lasso because i mean i think we've seen a lot of you know when you talked about panic attacks and things like that like so we had a vision of one right like that was depicted on screen but like i don't know like what are, what are some thoughts on ted lasso i love ted lasso i thought that show was going to be silly and goofy and it is yes but it has so much heart mm. and there's so much good, like gritty stuff in there. I love that show. I was so pleasantly surprised by it. I think my biggest takeaway about Ted Lasso, what I love about him is that he is really good about teaching a life lesson without giving a lecture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think as a coach, yeah. as anybody that's working with a team, I think it's easy for you to, um, you know, stand there and point your finger in authority and try to shove a lesson down their throat. Um, but he's really good at giving the life lesson without the lecture and guiding them to come up with their own solution or their own idea on their own. Yeah, absolutely. And I, so I just did a big driving trip. And so I was listening to a podcast from Brene Brown with Jason Sudeikis and I'm forgetting it, the co-writer coach beard. um, And they were talking to, and there was like a mindset from Amsterdam about, you know, guilt and like no guilt and shame like living in the moment i'm gonna forget not get it right i'll put a link to the podcast in the show notes but it was like you think about the you know where guilt and shame could enter in like the shame of not knowing anything about soccer or you know making it doesn't you know have a grudge against people and like you see that throughout like someone wrong you forgive them you know or like uh someone's trying you might be trying to trap them it's not going to be a big deal. Like he just plows through and it's like, there's some, there's some real life lessons there. And like, you think about how much guilt and shame we hold onto yeah. and there's some healthiness and just kind of letting it go, you know? Yeah. And that those things don't have to identify us. They're a part right. of us and it's okay to acknowledge them and embrace them and, and try to do some work around them, but it also doesn't have to be what identifies us. And I think that Ted Lasso does such a great job of seeing the flaws in his players, but also the potential, how they can use those flaws to their favor. Yeah, You know what I mean? How to use them for good and not for evil, so to speak. Um, and I think he does such an awesome job with his players in really um, making a more cohesive team by teaching each player individually to be more comfortable in their own skin and then the healthiest version of themselves. Right. Yeah. And they, they, put, they have the uh, wooden pyramid of success 
yeah. up in, in the corner. And like, when you look at Wooden's definition of success, it really like it's embraced by that show. It's like being the, being the, what you said, the best version of yourself and like achieving what you can with, with what you've been given. And it's like, yeah. it's, you really see that and come to life within the episode, but then also too, like learning from the, learning from the mistake, like celebrating some of the struggle that happens, you know, you don't think yeah. like you wouldn't want anyone, they were relegated and like, you wouldn't want it any other way. Right. Like that's, yeah. they learned a lot through that process. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something that we need, like, you know, tweens is a, is a phase that's going to, can't avoid it. And there's going to be some struggle, but, to, but to maybe help them embrace, uh, embrace that experience. I don't know what, what are some final thoughts you might have for everyone? Not my thoughts. Well, I mean, I think to, you know, link it back to Ted Lasso a little bit too. I think that he really shows his players, this unconditional love and support for them. Like, you can throw the temper tantrum and leave the team for a while, but there's always going to be an open door for you to come back. Like we see that happen a couple right. of different times. And so I think for us to be able to approach our tweens the same way, where it's like, you don't have to be my favorite person today because I don't <laughs> love this behavior, <laughs> but I'm still going to love you through it. And I'm still going to be here. And the hard days don't mean that like the relationship is over, you know? And I think that's really important because I think kids at that age are still so concrete and all or nothing that they think that the big fight between us or the big misunderstanding means that it will never get any better. And so they tend to shut down. So for us to be able to help them understand like, this is not all or nothing. It's a bad day. It's something we have to get through. It's something we got to navigate, but we're going to do it together. And I can't help you if you shut down, you know, it's unconditional. I will still be here and love you through it. We just got to work through it together. Right. And that reassure. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I mean, does that reassurance that these choices, these decisions, the things you said to me, like not a big fan, but I'm here and I love you. And whenever you're ready to come back, I'm I'm here for you. Yeah. It's a hard job. (laughs) This parenting (laughs) thing is a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely true. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Megan. This was awesome. Awesome discussion. Awesome. Uh, and we'll put again, links to anything that you have. We'll put it in the show notes and then even uh, connection to people want to connect with you uh, through your practice or, you know, and then if we have some more tween talk workshops coming up in the future, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely promote that uh, through our channels here. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun to sit and talk with you. All right, there it is. There's my conversation with Megan again. Kind of wish I would have been quiet more and listen more and ask more questions. Um, but again, learning how to do this a little bit better every single time, hopefully. But again, Megan has an awesome website. Go check it out. Go to uh, andersonfamilycounseling.org. Again, there's going to be a link in the show notes at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode 58. So if you go to amazonplanet.com, you can go there or you can go straight to our website. Again, andersonfamilycounseling.org to find all your Megan Anderson information. We'll have some other things in the show notes as well. I mentioned some other um, podcasts and other links that you will link to again in the show notes. That's why they're there. And if we find uh, Megan's going to do any uh, workshops or anything surrounding tween talk, possibly in the future, we'll try to update here or we'll try to just update through uh, social media channels, which means if you're looking for information or ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review so if we do have updates on things that Megan's offered, maybe we have Megan come back and talk about some of these other things that uh, she's uh, had experience with through her practice. 
go ahead and subscribe so that next episode is always waiting for you wherever you get your podcasts. You can also rate and review the podcast. Again, that allows it to be a little bit more visible. And what I'm going to say too is if you find an episode helpful, share it. Okay, so maybe it was the last episode about how the arts can save education with Erica Halverson. That was a, I'm sharing that one personally. And then thinking about the uh, this episode, if you have somebody that's about to enter this tween phase, like, hey, pay attention to some of this stuff here from Megan Anderson or go to her website or whatever. So again, I think Megan made a good point in that podcast or a nice way of like a, a low bar way to share something rather than, hey, here's a book, go read it versus, hey, here on your next walk, listen to this podcast. So if you find a podcast episode that you think is helpful, please share it so other people can listen to it. That's the whole point. That's why I created this thing so we can all learn how to teach better together. And I think, again, today we took a little bit, a few steps forward with thinking about how to teach tweens better. So, all right, that's about all we have. Um, Again, subscribe, rate, and review. You can also look at... uh, the Amazon Planet Facebook page. You can like that. You can also um, find us on social media at Amazon. Find me on social media at Amazon Planet on Instagram, LinkedIn, or um, Instagram, LinkedIn. What else? Twitter. That's right. Twitter. You can also find us. Find me there. Um, also, we just sent out another edition of the Amazon Planet email list. Where again, we're trying to refine that, and basically, what we're what decided to do with the email list is if there are opportunities for professional development that are free or readily accessible, that's how we're going to use that email list. So trying to put some things out there. So I think this, the, this one that we've just put out was a, just putting out the message about Erica Halverson's uh, book talk. That's a virtual talk that anyone can access. Just have to register for it. That's awesome. You should be able to do that. And there's also some free professional development I became aware of through the Knowles Teacher Initiative. So again, if you want to sign up for that email list, you can go to AmazonPlanet.com. There's many buttons you can go to there to sign up for the email list. And I encourage you to do it. We're going to, again, try to use it as a way to provide these sorts of easily accessible professional development or opportunities for professional development that people can take advantage of. And I think that's the best use of that email list for right now. So go ahead and sign up for that. And if you're looking for some swag or for some books, you can uh, go to the footer of AmazonPlanet.com. There's links to the Amazon Planet bookshop or the Amazon Planet store. You can find some of those Be the Good shirts or sweatshirts. If you've seen those on um, on social media, you can access those there. Or you can, if you buy a book through the Amazon Planet bookshop, any uh, proceeds, one, those support independent bookstores. And two, any of the proceeds from those sales uh, support the production costs of the podcast. Same thing for the uh, for the swag. So thank you. Thank you at all, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Megan Anderson for sharing her expertise and time with us. And also thank you to Matt Mifflin for sharing um, his musical talents. Uh, I love, love listening to Matt's music before and after the show. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace.